Hello, everybody! Welcome to the first episode of the new year. The year where all of you are going to be changing your fives into sixes for the next three months while you try to remember what year it is. And by the time you get it right, it'll be 2017, and you'll have to figure that out. But welcome to the new year and the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. I'm Steven. And I'm Dakota, and unfortunately, the age of John Cena has come to an end. <laughs> yes. Can we, can we get a round of yes. applause? Yes. Yay! No more John... John Cena! Let's let that stay in 2015, except for what I just did there, I guess. And move on with, I'm sure, a bunch of more ridiculous memes <laughs> and gifts and whatever they are. There will always be memes, just hopefully not to that annoying level. There is only one Lord of the Rings, and he does not share power. <laughs> Apparently, that's Stephen's impersonation of Sean Connery. <laughs> it's Sean. my impersonation of Sean Connery impersonating Ian McKellen. Yeah, good job. Hey, that, considering, that co- takes talent. Considering it almost could have been Sean Connery. you got to remember that. Yeah, that's true. If he would have had a brain that understood things... He would have been Gandalf. <laughs> what? <laughs> he says the reason he turned it down was because he didn't get it. It's the same reason he turned down uh, Harry Potter. Oh. He didn't get it. Guess what he didn't get either? Another movie he didn't get. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, I was going to say The Matrix because no. he was up for the second one. Oh, okay. Oh, as the architect? Yeah. Well, that is understandable because I've seen that movie ten times and I still don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was—he didn't understand League of Story Gentlemen either, but he figured at that point he better not pass up another hit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> maybe maybe they gave him the comic book and he was like, this is awesome, I gotta be in this. Yeah. Wow, this is crazy. <laughs> it's it's well-known facts that he, don't, he doesn't read his scripts ahead of time. <laughs> maybe that's really what happened. Well, that's a good thing because he maybe, not, maybe wouldn't have been James Bond if he would have done that. But, oh, he probably read the books. <laughs> anyway, today's on today's episode, we are going to be running down our not necessarily like maybe on everybody's best films of the year list, but just our personal what we considered our favorite films of 2015. So it's going to kind of be our reminisce um episode a little bit and we both have a few on our list that we actually didn't do review episodes of that we're bringing up. And so but we should have. But yeah, there's a few that we both are kind of like, boy, I wish we wouldn't have missed that or, you know, whatever. But, you know, this isn't our full-time job. <laughs> we have other things we need to do. And then there's just decisions you make that you regret later. <laughs> Talking to you tomorrow, Land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Life. Anyway, let's move on from that because that's depressing. Just talking about things we screwed up on. Where it's a new year. New year, new us. Which means absolutely nothing. It's a new year, but it's still the next day of your life. Yeah. So not to just totally depress you, but you're just the next day of your life. It's, it's not like <laughs> it's not like you hit that reset button on the yeah. first day of January. It's not like there's you saw the red ring of doom and you just reset your Xbox 360 and everything's all good again. But <laughs> Wow, that's a date. Unfor- that's even a pre-2015 reference there, the red ring of doom on the 360s. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately you don't get a you don't get a hit restart. Which imagine how much better the world would be if we could do that. No, it would be worse. <laughs> because if you reset you wouldn't remember anything. 
It's not true trial and error. No, that's true. We're getting a little existential, though. Let's move on to our list here. You're freaking me out, man. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um, so we're going to start with, obviously, just, like, we're going to each do our top five. We're going to start with number five. We'll move to number one. We'll try to keep it brief, but not too brief. Um, so maybe boxer brief? Or yeah. But it's brief, but not really. <laughs> anyway, so, Dakota, why don't you go ahead and give your number five. All right, my number five is Sicario. Sicario. Wah, wah, wah. And Dakota, what does Sicario mean? That's a funny name for a movie. Is that like a town? That's <laughs> No, it's not. It's actually a word that comes from... I'm actually a little, little forgetful in my history here, but when the Romans invaded the Jewish lands and took them over... <laughs> Um, apparently there were Jewish people walking around just killing Romans in the country. Yeah. And these assassins were called Sicario. Uh, in modern day terms, this, uh, is actually used for hitmen in Mexico. So it gives you a little concept or gives you a little context about (laughs) what, what what to expect from this movie. What you're telling me is this movie is called Hitman. Yes. But they didn't want to call it Hitman for obvious reasons. Well, there was already an atrocious movie called <laughs> Hitman. They probably didn't want to think this was related. Yeah, and Sicario just sounds cooler, too. So what's the rundown, like, just to, just to the plot and why you liked it? Um, This movie actually reminded me of a movie I wanted to put on my top five, but I considered it a 2014 movie, so I didn't. That was American Sniper. It was a very, it's very real world. It's also very dark. Um, there's some action in this movie, but it's not, it's not like die hard action. Um, like more like the intense action. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, and one thing I liked about this movie was just the pacing of it. There's a scene when they're stuck on the freeway that leads to the border between Mexico and America. Okay. And there's a scene there where, um, I should say our, our protagonists are in this car and they're kind of, they're kind of just surrounded by what would be, what would be, uh, hitmen for the cartel, the drug cartels, uh, more importantly, the cocaine, the, the people who are, is that what drug for... this movie involves in is co- cocaine? Yeah. And one thing that's uh, one thing I think that's uh, the reason I I put this on my list was uh, this was probably the most uh, kind of movie that dealt with a very serious problem that we're all facing right now. I know it doesn't really affect us being here in South Dakota, but uh, just the just the drug smuggling and kind of what the Benicio del Toro, uh, Emily Blunt, and Josh Brolin's characters are trying to do is they're trying to find the leader of this cartel. He's supposed to be the the leader of the biggest cartel in Mexico, and pretty much bring him down. It's almost like they have carte blanche, and they're gonna do whatever they have to do to bring him in. And that's is one... this with the U.S. government's permission? Yes. Okay. And that's something Emily Blunt's character isn't really, they step over the line. Actually, they step over the line and then run a mile across <laughs> the line. 
And it's one of those movies that kind of kind of makes you ask certain questions. What what is okay? What is not okay? I mean, we're dealing with some pretty twisted people. Okay, so that's what you liked about it, just the idea of it made you ask questions about something that we're really especially dealing with in this day and age then. Yeah. It's pretty immediate. Yeah, like I said, um, it's, it's, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah, this is probably, I don't know, it just, it just kind of makes you think, look around, uh, uh, and it just makes you wonder about all the people, uh, all the quote unquote bystanders who kind of are victims of, of the violence that goes on because of drugs. Sure. And it's, it's just, it puts things in perspective hmm. and that's what I like. I mean, there are movies that kind of challenge you to think. And that's one thing I like about this one. Hmm. Oh, it's interesting. Plus Benicio del Toro was just awesome in this movie. Honestly, even in like a terrible movie, He's always a standout. He's just he's just kind of one of those guys. He's a, he's a good actor. He just doesn't get a lot of really no, what's the word? Media roles. Yeah, like high profile roles, I guess is maybe how people say it, but well, that's interesting. So that was Sicario, and for me, <clears throat> my number 5 uh is also dealing with people working for the government, but in a more fictionalized world. Uh my number 5 is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Um, honestly, part of the reason this made my top five was this is number five in a series, you know, in an action series, which usually by five, I mean, just think about some of the fives, you know, die hard. Yeah. Die hard five Terminator Ram or uh Rocky five is, you know, not a very good Rocky. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, Terminator Five just came out this year. Genesis. That was very Genesis. Very. It's still Genesis to me, but anyway. Uh, but for some reason, the Mission Impossible series just seems to get better and better with age. And I think honestly, some of it love him or love him or hate him. A lot of it is just because Tom Cruise understands his audience, and he tries to give them what they want, and he knows what his audience wants is just tight fun action movie with some with a, a a story where you care about the characters and with action where you 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 feel like things are really hanging in the balance of the of those action scenes where it's not just like cgi robots blowing up you know or something but you know he, he tries to make it mean something and part of it is the fact that he tries to do all of his own stunts himself which pushes, you know, some of the other a actors to try to do a lot of their own. <clears throat> you know, he always does the craziest stunts, obviously, but to do a lot of their own action things themselves, too. But, yeah, so this is just a series that gets better and better with age. You know, it's just, uh, especially from, like, you know, MI2 was kind of a misstep. But when Mission Impossible 3 came out, it was another example of a series Um where J.J. Abrams just was the right catapult to bring this series kind of back into relevance and to kind of start it off again on a good route, you know, mixed with just Tom Cruise just finding ways up to get it. I mean, how many five-film series have a record of four out of five? I mean, not too many. And so 
that's that's kind of a lot of the reason it's mine. Uh, the plot is really it's what it is. Is it's kind of following off the events of the the last one a little bit, but um, Tom Cruise's character Ethan Hunt is trying to find the leader of this of this group called the syndicate. But the problem is, is he's the only one who initially believes the syndicate even exists. And the CIA is sick of, of the impossible missions force just getting to do whatever they want. And they're trying to basically (laughs) dissolve the impossible missions force and make them be part of the CIA and kind of have that whole kind of change up in the whole operation thing here. And so, uh, and so there's kind of this, this, kind of double rogue thing because you have the impossible missions people basically going rogue and then you also kind of have these rogues on the other side you're not you're not quite sure where they're coming from either and so i think that's part of where this rogue nation comes from is where everybody's kind of a rogue at the same time but what's nice about this one is uh it doesn't feel he isn't an enemy of the state again so much in this one and that was kind of nice because he always seems like it ends up being like there's a mole inside the impossible missions force and he becomes an enemy. And so it's nice that they didn't go that route again and kind of freshened it up. They brought in, uh, you know, they brought Jeremy Renner back, but then they brought in, uh, Rebecca Ferguson to be like the new woman who apparently is supposed to be in the next one. And she's pretty, she's pretty good in this. She does a good job, um, being like basically an equal to Tom Cruise in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, just, you know, and all the, you know, Ving Rhames is back again. He's always in them. Ving <laughs> Rhames has got to be there and Simon Pegg. And so just a fun surprise movie because, like I said, it's like you don't go into, like, the fifth movie with thinking this is going to be one of the best in the series, and it is. So that's my number five. But Yeah, one thing this uh, movie definitely had going for it is it seemed like they really thought things through. So, some of the movie uh, movies you mentioned, uh, the the fifth Terminator, uh, the fifth Rocky, uh, yeah. we we could go on. It seems like they kind of just stop thinking them through. They're just putting them out there to kind of, yeah, kind of get gain more money off of. Yeah, obviously, you. I mean, we're I'm not, we're not going to sit here and candy kill this and say Mission Impossible isn't a cash grab. I mean, obviously, money movies are there to make money, but yeah, the, Tom Cruise doesn't seem to rush them. He seems very intentional. You know, as a producer, he's a very hands-on producer. And then he brought in Christopher McQuarrie to write and direct this one, which I think was an interesting choice because that guy um, is a pretty interesting storyteller. Yeah. And so that kind of changed it too. Unfortunately, I could think of another spy movie franchise that could have possibly used some more some more effort into being made this year. Yeah, what's that? I'm referring to Spectre. Nah, that's nah, Spectre. Another one that was a little mixed, a little mixed. So Yeah, I was definitely let down. You can listen to our review of that. Dakota gets a little spoilery <laughs> in the review just to warn you if you haven't seen Spectre yet. You know what? I didn't give away <laughs> anything you shouldn't have been able to deduce yourself. It's true. Even though you could say he, like, quote-unquote, spoiled things, everything he said was like, yeah, I kind of figured, okay, yeah. That makes I, didn't, sense. I didn't give away the big reveal, though. Oh, so there's a big reveal. I'm Look, just kidding. <laughs> you know what it is. I mean. I know. I'm just messing with you. Anyway, let's move on to your number your number four, Dakota. Hey, Steven. Yeah. Oh, you're supposed to say what? And what? Then, and then I'm, I got something to say. Uh-oh. My number four is straight <laughs> out of Compton. We kind of messed that whole thing up. 
I I'm straight out of <laughs> Podunk, so I don't know. No, it goes fancy NWA lyrics. Oh, <laughs> it, well, the lyric goes, "Hey Dre, what?" Yeah, and then <laughs> Ice Cube says, "I got something to say." I'm wearing my Beats. <laughs> But yeah, um, you know what? I actually didn't really think this movie was going to be that good. I I kind of it. It seemed... was kind of an out out of nowhere surprise October hit. Yeah, it. Uh, well, the funny thing is, it was so surprising to you. It actually came out in August. Oh, <laughs> August. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, for those of you unaware, this movie kind of uh, kind of. Uh, Covers the beginning slash uh, career of the NWA, which I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you what that stands for. You might just have to watch the movie. Is it what? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it would be it'd be n word with n words with attitude. Oh, okay. There you that, go. That's where. Well, that sums it up. So not um, necessarily a word you should probably say too often. <laughs> yeah. Or you could just say no whites allowed. Apparently that was an acceptable <laughs> that was an acceptable one that they they were okay with. Uh but yeah, this this kind of it it literally starts off with uh uh you could kind of say that uh, the the rapper EZE was kind of the focus of this movie because it does start off with him. He, I'm not sure if it's true in real life, but it shows him kind of being a petty drug dealer. And it, it kind of shows what, what, what he was dealing with. And then uh, eventually we meet the, uh, the very young Dr. Dre. I believe this was when he was, uh, when he was just Dre. (laughs) And he didn't have his, he didn't have his doctorate yet. No. And then, of course, we run into O'Shea Jackson, also known as Ice Cube. I always found I that. I actually it, knew that one. I always thought that was interesting. That was his first name, O'Shea. Must be a family name. That's why I'd go by Ice Cube, too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> He'd well, probably go by Ice Cube because his face is like ice. Well, much as the title suggests, these uh, these fellows are from Compton. Straight outta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Cube, uh, Ice Cube was kind of the lyricist. Uh, you find out that Easy E actually has no ability to rap, which it's interesting to to see him try in the very beginning <laughs> of the film. And then Dr. Dre was kind of just uh, the man behind the curtain, the man coming up with the beats by Dre. <laughs> but uh, you know, most some some music uh, biopics they're just so formulaic yeah pretty run-of-the-mill yeah uh you know i love johnny cash i love i love his music to death but walk the line just kind of seemed that way especially coming out right after a year after ray it just seems yeah i I don't even necessarily hold ray against it um i like walk the line just for yeah like i like the cash music of it and i thought joaquin did a good job doing the johnny cash but you're right when you look at it it's pretty like here he is growing up. Here he is successful. Here's his down. I mean, it's pretty like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And that I know that's part of what kind of made this movie stand out was first off, I mean, you had like guys who they just thought would be good at playing these characters, playing these roles. 
or we thought they'd be good playing these guys play these. I mean, they were like, you know, huge actors, huge African-American actors. These pick guys they thought would be good and uh, kind of told a, and I mean, the other thing this movie had going for it is it's a pretty unconventional success story. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was going for it too. And the fact that even though I'm not a huge F. Gary Gray fan, <laughs> the guy's a competent director. So they had a competent director too. Yeah, this whole movie was just kind of interesting. Um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., of, of course, is playing his father in this movie. Um, Jerry Curls and all. I thought that I thought that would have been awesome if this movie brought those back. <laughs> hey, it still could. Yeah, um, it's not then, on D, it's not on Blu-ray and DVD yet. So, and then I I wonder how the director actually got the job of this because I know he did actually direct a few of Ice Cube's videos for some of his songs. So maybe they're like, oh, you 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 actually know well, these Ice Cube, characters. Yeah, Ice Cube had a lot of say in the making of this movie, and so he might have kind of picked him. Um. But, yeah, there was a lot of controversy around this movie about what exactly was true and what wasn't. And there was a lot of, well, that's like your opinion, man, <laughs> you know, of certain events. And so it was kind of one of those deals, too. Yeah. yeah and I, that's, I mean, you got to remember, anytime, anytime you see a biopic, this should just be your disclaimer. This is a movie. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, I mean, there's going to be uh, liberties taken for the sake of pacing and things like that so you can't i mean there's always that anyway but yeah anyway <laughs> but yeah it is it is kind of cool to watch them how they they have their rise to fame and uh they show it 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 comes i think not even halfway through the movie but they kind of start having problems some of the bandmate some of the rappers start kind of having problems with their management and that eventually leads to ice cube leaving uh Dr. Dre eventually gets sick of their whole situation as well, so he leaves. And it kind of kind of chronicles the career they had after that. Both of them had were two of the biggest rap sellers or biggest rappers of the 90s. Right. This is back way before Eminem and <laughs> Kanye West. So mm-hmm. this is back when rap was considered pure. It was coming from the streets, man. That's real. There you but, go. But uh I don't know, it's just it's it's really interesting to watch. It it does have a very very bleak ending because Easy E um did did get contract HIV and he passed away from it. But, so, well there's that on that note. <laughs> <laughs> but I would definitely say check this movie out. I'm sure some of you haven't seen it, but it's actually it's actually a really fun movie, besides that that horribly depressing ending. <laughs> there you go. So that was straight out of Compton. That was Dakota's number four. My number four is also historical, not a direct biopic, just because it doesn't necessarily just follow one person. I guess a biopic is more defined as like one person, so this is like an event pick. <laughs> uh, mine is Bridge of Spies. Great movie. Yes, this was an October movie. It I'm was. not wrong in saying that about this one. Are you sure? You know, sometimes <laughs> I mix around August and October. I guess because they both start with "ah" or something. Um, honestly, what I liked about this movie was just about everything. Um, yeah, this was just an overall solid movie, and that yeah, 
and that that's a good way to put it because what I'm saying by that is that doesn't mean it's perfect. That just means I left going that was really as a really interesting movie to watch and it this is this is now you want to talk about you know you can't believe everything you see in a movie but in my opinion a good historical drama biopic should cause you to leave wanting to know more and when i left bridge of spies i was like i want to know more about this abel and this james donovan and people like that and so um the other thing that was just crazy about this movie is that it was directed by steven spielberg and uh yeah, for such a huge director, this movie kind of just flew under the radar. Yeah, really under the radar. He's more known for his big fanfare type movies. But what a lot of people forget is that he's really good at kind of these subtle, you know, more subtle, interesting movies also. You know, he had Color Purple that was very well-received. Re- well Amistad that was well-received. Um, people don't appreciate that one enough, in my opinion. Um Munich was pretty well received, even if it's hard to take. Yeah, that movie Schindler's was... List, probably his hardest to take. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I liked about this. It was just very. It was it's a very quiet movie, but it was very intriguing and it kept your attention. And it just proved that that Spielberg isn't uh, just a director who goes out there to make a two hundred million dollar movie. That he's a director who still knows how to tell a very interesting story and. He had one of the finds of the year, in my opinion, with uh, the guy he had play Abel. That w- that was a that casting was great there. I- I'm trying to remember the guy's name even is now. Oh man, his last um, name is Rylance. I think it's like Mark Rylance. Yeah, I think that's it. And he's actually going to be in Steven Spielberg's um, next movie he has coming out this, this summer that he's doing for Disney, actually. The BFG. Man, Disney is just getting everybody these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's worked for Disney. Pretty soon they'll be owning us too. Yeah. And he's worked for Disney through things like Touchstone and things like But this is like legitimate. Like Disney presents the BFG and he's having Mark Rylance play the BFG. And, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of where this, I mean, he's like already a middle-aged guy, but uh, man, he was just phenomenal in British Spies. And you can listen to our review of that too and just kind of more we thought that would be but i just found this movie um one that just stuck with me when i left the theaters and just i thought tom hanks did a great job once again you know tom hanks i knew it was tom hanks up there the whole time but it wasn't distracting you know we actually had a lot of of these big actors come out with movies this fall that were supposed to make make them uh get them an oscar nomination for this year mm-hmm. and those movies just sucked Except, yeah. and this one that we didn't even know about with Tom Hanks was just amazing. And I left thinking to myself, they're going to cheat him if they don't nominate him. Yeah, and he probably won't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I honestly, the guy who played Abe, that this Rylance we're talking about, he, he could easily be nominated too for supporting. He, I'd be surprised if he did. Yeah. Well, they'll be too busy nominating Danish Girl <laughs> and all these other like movies that, you know, no one will see until they hear that it's an Oscar contender, <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, it's like, um, yeah, it's kind of too bad. Um, this one might get overlooked, but honestly, I think it'll stand the test of time better than some of these other ones. So, yeah, I can't even, I can't even remember the name of the Sandra Bullock one that came out just a oh, few months ago. I always remember the sucky ones. That was our brand is crisis. And then we had Steve jobs. 
Yeah. Like, everybody's going, oh, yeah, there was a Steve Jobs movie. Exactly. You've already forgot. <laughs> You've already forgotten. That was supposed to be, like, the Oscar movie to compete with. Yep. And it just, it was just a whoopee cushion. <laughs> and then we had Bradley Cooper do the amazing belly flop with his movie. Yeah. But you got to remember that Bradley Cooper, even though he's been nominated for Oscars, and has he won? Uh, I don't think he has. Uh, he's, In my opinion, he still has to prove himself. Those David O. Russell movies, they just get nominated to get nominated, in my opinion. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm pretty sure... Uh, Pretty sure Jennifer Lawrence will be nominated for Joy, even if oh, that movie's not even any good. Oh, yeah. She'll be nominated. Yep. He'll, he'll, I don't know why we love David O. Russell. He doesn't seem like he's a very nice guy anyway. But that's another topic. But we're talking about Bridge of Spies right now and telling you that that is a movie that is worth seeing. And it's just, yeah, it's just a shame if it if it does get looked over, which it might. But that doesn't mean, you know, awards aren't everything. You people don't have to miss it. So you should check that one out, especially if you have any interest in historical things. You know, this deals with the Cold War specifically. And so that makes it kind of interesting. I also just kind of see a little bit of that time period a little bit too. So, yeah. So that's my number four. So, Dakota, let's go ahead and move on to your number three. All right. You all ready for this one? (laughs) (laughs) My number three is Mad Max Fury Road. What a lovely day. <laughs> and this movie is just so awesome. I, <laughs> I like how, And this movie is just so awesome. That's what he starts with. I uh I just uh, loved every single moment of this movie. <laughs> I have been a Mad Max fan ever since I was 11. 11 months he means. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I think it yeah, it was TNT. TNT used to play the crap out of the first two Mad Maxes. For you people who don't know what crap means, it means poop. <laughs> and I always just thought it interesting. They didn't really show Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome very much. And I didn't realize years later. And there's a reason. When I saw what just how god awful it was. <laughs> but then here we are all these years later. And we finally got the sequel we deserved. And, Wait, and needed. <laughs> way, way after we kind of forgot about Max. Yeah, even us fans forgot about Max. <laughs> Who could forget about Max? Come on. Let's face it. Um, once Mel Gibson's career kind of went downhill, any any hope for... His career didn't go downhill. His personal life did. <laughs> I would like to make that known. He's still a good actor. His personal life went downhill. Okay. I just, I just want to clarify. Okay, now that, now that that's been amended... <laughs> Oh, what can I what can I say about this movie that hasn't already been said? All you ever hear about this movie is basically what you said so far. It's completely <laughs> awesome, and everyone should see it. You know, if anything, this movie just made me love Mad Max more. It, <laughs> I was sitting there saying to myself, "We need I need to see a prequel to see how all this stuff got started." Or did it make you love Furiosa more? Well, she was pretty awesome, too, but no one will ever replace Max. <laughs> Max Rockatansky. <laughs> what a last name. I know, right? Rockatansky. What is that, four syllables? <laughs> I think I think George Miller made that up. I don't think that's a real name. Well, yeah, I'm guessing that's got to be made up. That's like a apocalyptic world last name. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm not really going to tell you how the story goes in here, other than that... Uh, 
While this woman is out driving around, she makes a left turn. Okay. And then she turns <laughs> around halfway through the movie and goes back the way she came. Mm. You have my attention. All the while being <laughs> all the while being pursued by I'm not even sure how to describe most of the characters in this movie besides just psychotic crazy S&M gear wearing pale people. <laughs> Like I, I, said, I just noticed how a lot of them seem very pale for living in a place that's completely beaten on by the sun. I think <laughs> I think they do that to themselves. It's not... They do that to themselves? I think so. Like powder? Yeah. They, well, are, they are all supposed to be dying of cancer, the war boys. So <laughs> maybe, there you go. Maybe they have no pigmentation left in their skin. <laughs> okay. So Fur- you- Furiosa seems fine. Plus, I love the I love the fact that she her has a mechanical shaved. arm. Oh, they, they say that her head shaved. Well, that's cool too. <clears throat> okay, so that was your number three. That was Mad Max Fury Road. He gives it probably the most enthusiastic thumbs up I've seen. So Two far. thumbs, way way up. Whoa, he pulled the way way up. Haven't seen that since the Siskel and Ebert days. Oh man. Oh uh, well, we'll move on to my number three. My number three is pretty similar. In that it involves maybe a little bit of a road trip. Um, <laughs> is it vacation? No. No. That is not vacation. My number three is even more overlooked than Bridge of Spies. And this one is criminally, criminally, criminally overlooked. It's actually out on video right now as you're listening to this. So you should go rent it or buy it. It is Sean the Sheep the Movie. Shaun the Sheep was like a seven-minute short TV show where like each segment was like seven minutes. Kind of like Looney Tunes. Those used to be like seven or eight minutes uh-huh. long, those old Bugs Bunny. Well, Shaun the Sheep is the same way, and it was a it was a dialogue-free, just kind of situational comedy-type thing involving these uh, flock of sheep on a farm, and there's like a, a dog that acts very anthropomorphic. <laughs> That's kind of the farm – excuse me, the farm dog – and then, you know, there's there's a farmer there who's kind of uh, – doofus is kind of too mean of a word. He's not that stupid. but um, And it just kind of involved the antics pulled by mainly Sean being kind of the instigator of things. So that's kind of how the – you don't need to know the TV show and know the movie. That's the beauty of it in that the movie starts with – and that's, that's the other thing that's crazy about this movie is I'm telling you all this story knowing it without anything being said – this whole movie. This was an hour and a half movie without a single word spoken. There is animal sounds. There is mumbles, but there's not one word. And I kid you not. And I'm a, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I have some attention issues sometimes. It did. I didn't feel it at all. It was amazing. This, it was so paced so well. And the story was so intriguing, even without dialogue, that you didn't notice it. But basically, the gist of the story is: is uh, Sean decides they they're they're kind of stuck in this rut where they kind of go through the same motions every day. You know, they're sheep; they get fed, blah blah blah. So he comes up with this plan to lull the farmer to sleep, hide him away in a camper, and have a day of just goofing off in the in the farmer's house. Watch, what? <laughs> yeah. 
oh, it's really clever because what they do is as he's counting the sheep, the sheep just keep going in a circle and leaping over the fence. And then the farmer just falls asleep counting the sheep, you know, you get it. So that was kind of clever. But they, and then, so basically they lull him to sleep, put uh, ear things on him, earmuff things that blackout hearing, hide him away in a camper on the farm, and they're going to have a day of just partying in the house. And, you know, and then kind of clean it up and hopefully the farmer will be none the wiser, you know, because like I said, he's maybe a little doofy. Well, everything just goes wrong. The farmer ends up, the camper gets loose and the farmer ends up flying down the hill, down the road, into the city, smacking his head and getting amnesia. Ends up in the hospital with amnesia and everything is going terrible on the farm and they realize they need to go find the farmer and save him. And it ends up being like this whole thing going on just because of... Trying to find the farmer, the farmer not knowing who he is because he has amnesia in the hospital. And I, the only movie I could compare this to comedy wise, and 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 not and maybe even loosely, but the same idea is the Lego movie where every moment of Sean the Sheep has that kind of comedy where it's constantly coming at you through the things they're doing and the references they're making, where it's like just constant funny things and things like that that just keep it moving within the story um the other thing this is i should uh footnote this with it's by the people who did like chicken run and the wallace and grommets it's stop motion which is really cool to see the stop motion claymation they do some really clever shots in this movie that i thought were really cool for a stop motion movie the where's this one where they kind of pull out of a window of a house and stuff and i'm like wow that was really cool for stop motion you know usually they just kind of set the camera there and they tweak arms you know and and uh whatever and so they did some cool stuff with that and this movie took six years <laughs> to make wow because you got to remember when there's what is there 24 frames per second mostly i think they usually make movies at 24 frames per second so they literally have to make 24 little movements of claymation to do one second of film. When you think about 24 frames per second, that means each little tick they do, that's 24. So, I mean, it took a long time to do this, but that, that doesn't mean you put it on your top list just because it took them a long time to make. I put it on my top list because the end product is outstanding. It's just a great movie. I can't proselytize this movie enough <laughs> because nobody, I think really saw it or noticed it. And it's just a fun movie and it's not it's not solely a kids movie. I watched it by myself <laughs> and was laughing like a crazy person at some parts. And so I mean it's it's adult. There's a lot of most of the references would actually go over kids' heads and not in the way where they're like crude or like like a Shrek kind of humor where it's like, Oh, that was for the adults. <laughs> but like just like good fun comedy stuff. And so yeah, I just enjoyed that about it too. But uh yeah. Sean the Sheep. Check it out. It's my number three. So, Dakota, let's move on to your number two. Ah, my number two is a little movie that we all got to experience this summer, and that is Inside Out. And we're doing our number twos at the same time because that is also my number two. Because Dakota and I, dare I say, both got the feels at this movie. I hate that (laughs) term, by the way. Yeah. That's another thing that should stay in 2015, saying... They gave me the feels. Like, ugh. That <laughs> oh, makes me I, want to give I just, you, I want to give you the punch now. <laughs> I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. Exactly. Quit it. Stop it. So Inside Out is both our number twos. 
Dakota, why did you make it your number two? Why is it in your top five? All that jazz. Oh man, you know, I have never. I don't think I've gone to a movie, much less um, an animated movie, and kind of just just really connected with it like I did this one. This was probably the most emotionally packed movie I've seen probably all year, and not just because it stars emotions. No, not at all. <laughs> If anything, they they enhanced they enhanced the walk that I took with this movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. It just it was like uh, I guess the things I love about this movie is that Pixar has been kind of stumbly <laughs> lately and and doing a few sequel prequels type stuff, and you know it's kind of like they had been kind of on a hiatus here. And it was like, okay, hopefully this means they're regrouping for something great. And then this movie comes out, what, June 18th or something. Yeah, it was about then. And, wow. Yeah, what a, I mean, and it wasn't just because we had been in a Pixar drought. Because I think we all went in with some trepidations, like, uh, uh, (laughs) you know, we still had some bad taste in our mouth from, uh, you know, are Monsters they, University? I, see, I, see, I didn't mind Monsters University, but I think, but see, that was the thing. Is like I didn't mind, didn't mind. I think the other thing is we just hold Pixar to a certain caliber, where everything that comes from them has to be just the highest caliber, or we won't tolerate it. And this one was back up to the caliber they're usually at. Actually, I would say it was probably beyond that, even. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's it's hard to know where you'd put this one, um, exactly in the ranking of everything. But it's it, we can honestly just rank it as one of the best movies we saw this year, and I've seen it mm, three and a half times now. Three and a half, huh? Yeah, there's one time I didn't catch it all. Oh, when my kids were watching it, and cause could watch it again right now. I mean, you know, it just it's it's a good movie. It's original it resonates with anyone because it's just about growing up and about the things that kind of happen in the midst of that growing up and then honestly seeing (laughs) the parents handling the growing up too even that you know not only are you resonating with riley the girls growing up but if you're a parent you resonate with the parents dealing with their girl going through these things of turning 12 and things changing and all that stuff and yeah just just a really good movie but you weren't sitting there the whole time like all sour and trying not to cry it also had a lot of fun i mean just fun and clever stuff uh bing bong was awesome yeah he was richard kind doing the voice of bing bong was just magnifico i mean <laughs> To use a fancy word, that was just perfect casting there. I think this whole movie kind of just had perfect casting. Overall. They nailed it, and and I think when I had this, I had this as my anticipated movie of 2015. And I remember you were saying that maybe the casting seems a little on the nose, and it is. It's really <laughs> on the nose. But this is a case where on the nose worked because of what they were doing. And what was crazy was that these emotions, even though emotions seem very one dimensional, because like, oh, they're mad. Oh, they're this. They they still had almost kind of some layers to them, even though they were 
a certain one emotion. And so, yeah, that was just kind of fun too. But um, anything else? Well, and then obviously just animation-wise, I should say, the animation was outstanding. I mean, you could just see they're just getting better and better at their craft. Yeah, this is definitely one of those movies where 10 years from now I'll probably be watching it still, just enjoying the heck out of it. Yeah. Well, we're 11 years past Incredibles. We're... 20 years past Toy Story, and we're still watching those. I mean, they're good ones, just hold up. Yeah. So, yeah, so both our number twos were inside out. So, yeah, so now we're on to number one. Number one, Dakota, what is your number one favorite movie of 2015? That would have to be The Martian, sir. Wow, The Martian is Dakota's number one movie of the year. Another October movie. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Another yes, it October. was. I, uh, I love how you, you had to you had to check yourself there. I had to think, well, you got me all second-guessing myself now. <laughs> but um, my what now The Martian wasn't in my top five, but it was definitely in my surprises. Like, I didn't know what I would think going into this. Ridley Scott had just kind of lost my a little bit of my respect with Prometheus, and I wasn't sure about... You know, sometimes when there's a lot of hype about a book, that can backfire too. And so, just wasn't sure what to think about this movie as a whole. Some of the casting, like, you know, just something not not Matt Damon so much as just like some of the people around him. But uh, yeah, so I put that in my surprises. But Dakota, where, where are you at with The Martian? Oh, what can I say about this movie? Let's see. How can I count the ways? <laughs> well. You gotta, you gotta admit, Ridley Scott. We we all know he's a good director, but he's 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 kind of in a slump. That Exodus movie didn't really really That's do right. He had Exodus didn't too. really do him any favors, which is a shame because he made that movie for his brother Tony. Um, his yeah, who's been passed away for two three years. Yeah, it's it's been some time, and then and then the often lamented Prometheus, which <laughs> just gets no love from anybody. It's hard. It's a hard movie to love. It's yeah. a hard movie to like. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? This movie just was was just incredible. Um, you know, sure you could say, well, the book was great. Well, we've we've seen horrible movies made from great books. And we've also seen good movies made from from bad books. I don't yeah. know how I don't know how it works, but it works. It happens. But yeah. I really felt, you know, sci-fi has kind of always been Ridley Scott's forte. Mm-hmm. From all the way back when he he first got started, uh, Blade Runner, Alien, and here we here we are with another sci-fi movie, but although a completely different one from any of his previous ones. Yeah, one really based in reality. Yeah, yeah, that's what was intriguing about this one. And this was kind of this was kind of a new movie for him because I don't think he's ever really ever really had a movie that dealt with isolation so much. Yeah, Alien a little bit. Well, a little bit, not, but not to this degree. Yeah, yeah, not in a castaway sort of way. Like this was basically castaway on Mars was how you could market this a little bit, but you know, different. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just oh man, like this movie is just beautifully shot. Yeah, cinematography is um, great. 
this this is the movie that kind of kind of reminds you that Matt Damon is a really good actor. Yeah. He just yeah. just kind of kind of nailed the character and just that's made what you... I that's what I would say is like being someone who had who was familiar with the book and had uh read the book it was like he fit he fit that character so well Matt Damon did that it just it worked on every level of that character. Um, you believed him as smart, you believed him as cocky, and you believed him as a survivor. Yeah. Yeah, but I just I just loved this movie. Like every single frame of it. It was this is how this is honestly what I was expecting of Interstellar. Just to just to be completely sucked in and to just love every moment of it and yeah and that that movie was good but it wasn't as big as or as good as we had all expected you're right i i hadn't thought of it that way but the martian is what we wanted interstellar to be you're right that's true yeah and this is definitely this is I'm, i'm just gonna say it right now it's a modern it's a modern classic Using classic a little soon, maybe. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, well let's um, get to your number one first before you say that. I'm not calling mine a classic. I'm just <laughs> saying it's the my my personal favorite movie of the year, and that's all we're doing. I'm not calling it a classic yet. Yet. Um. Well, if it does, but what you, you know, you will be. You will be. I could. Um. But that could be because Disney is going to you know brainwash me into going. It's a classic. <laughs> but um, if you're not getting what I'm probably referring to yet, my number one is Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Now, it seems like an obvious choice for number one, and it, maybe it is. I'm not going to say it's not an obvious choice. Um, but it, I just... To not have it at my number one would just be me lying to myself and... and and fooling you people because it honestly was my favorite movie of 2015 whether it's a classic in 20 years or not like new hope and and empire strikes back return of the jedi are it was my favorite movie by far of 2015 it's the first movie i've left in 12 years to the month <laughs> Where I, I left a movie and went, I want to see that right now, slash, if episode eight were playing across the hall, I would run over and sit down without even worrying about going pee first. You know, I mean, you were it was just like, that's how I left. So satisfied. Even in the imperfections of the movie, I was still just satisfied with every moment. I probably had a stupid grin on my face the whole time. Because once... The the crawl started going with the words, and it started with Luke has vanished. I was like, yes, this is what I want. This is what I want. And it wasn't George Lucas's vision, necessarily, for what he wanted 7, 8, and 9 to be, specifically. Um, but we found out maybe that that's okay. That's okay, it wasn't specifically his vision. You can be the purest that you are, that since he wasn't involved, this is basically just an expensive fan film. I don't care. (laughs) It was still my favorite movie of the year. It felt like Star Wars. It was Star Wars. 
every actor in it nailed their role. Even Daisy Ridley, who was like Daisy who a year ago, um, was just perfect. Um, as Ray, I thought she was great as Ray. Um, Harrison Ford, just nice to see him caring again <laughs> and doing a great job being Han Solo again. And yes, there was some moments of fan service in this, but it never got um, overwhelmed with uh, nostalgic fan service. And so I found that uh, very nice too. But as I've as I've said in in, the, in our review of this, and as I think I even said kind of a little bit in this episode when I was talking about Mission Impossible, was I'm pretty much for the most part okay that JJ isn't doing anymore just because i think he was the right guy to launch this and i'm okay with seeing maybe what some other guys could bring to the star wars universe where (laughs) maybe this was the right way to start it but maybe we do need to start moving into the new characters stories more and leave nostalgia a little more behind and i have a feeling that if jj were doing more it would keep being nostalgia (laughs) and so and so or too nostalgic and so maybe that's okay. Um, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. All that matters is that right now, my favorite movie of 2015 was The Force Awakens. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed well, of it. Well, you shouldn't be. It was an and amazing so, movie. Um, well, it, that's, that's I, the problem with these big movies, though, is that um, because they get so big, you always have the people that have to do the old, wasn't that great in... Where's Hayden Christensen? And like, just just say dumb things. Have something dumb to say. And and all I gotta say is, I hope this beats every single one of Avatar's records because Avatar <laughs> sucked when it came out and sucks worse now. <laughs> That's not entirely true. It's totally true. It was amazing when you first saw it, and then it you. Really... I saw it the year it came out, and I went. <laughs> yeah, there's another movie I think that was released in December, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I really wanted to put this on my top five, but it's been way too soon. It's it's kind of like, you know, you, I meet, f- you, I meet, felt- you meet somebody who is just so beautiful, and you just want to go up to him and say, will you marry me? But it's too soon. It's too yeah. soon. <laughs> and I think maybe why I wasn't scared to put this on my top five, and maybe this will sound creepy now that you use the analogy of will you marry me. <laughs> Was that I, I did go on a second date with Force Awakens. Not that I'm condoning after two dates you're ready for marriage. But I felt more confident for this to be my number one after going to it a second time and leaving the second time more satisfied. See, that's that. I think that was my problem. I've only got to see it once even though I want to see it again. Yeah. I'm sure it's doing so well. I'm pretty sure like three weeks from now I'll still be at the theater oh, here. Yeah, yeah. You will you have till February. You see, I'm sure. Um yeah, and so that was the thing. When I when I left even more satisfied after date number two, I was like, okay, I know now that um, I wasn't just – and maybe I still am a little bit of a lovesick puppy right now. But, uh, but you know, 2015 is over, so I can still honestly say it was one of my favorites in 2015. Yeah. So it, uh, it was pretty good. I, I loved it too. Some other surprises this year were ones that weren't in my top five, but – Nobody was really holding much of uh, of hope for, but that were su- better than everybody thought they'd be. Would be Ant Man. You know that was one that uh, 
people thought was just going to suck the big one. Yeah, even diehard Marvel fans had kind of written that yeah, movie off. Yeah, it was just kind of a write-off movie, where, but they all went, but I'll still go. <laughs> and we did, and we were like, wow, that was really fun, and it was like a heist movie, and yeah, it was just fun. And uh, another one I had was, and this is one probably nobody remembers now, because uh, maybe some of you haven't seen it, but I was kind of surprised, because I, I honestly didn't think this movie would be good at all. In fact, I thought this movie would be just terrible was Paddington. It came out oh. like January or February of last year. And you know, it was based on the Paddington bear of the books that we all know as children where he wears the rain hat and raincoat and is a Peruvian bear who loves marmalade. But <laughs> I found this movie to be really fun and very, very uh, clever in like an artsy way. It had a lot of cool like artistic shots and things done in it. And uh, it was kind of creepy at times just because Nicole Kidman is, like, obsessed with doing taxidermy and, like, wants to kill Paddington. And so maybe for, like, really young kids, that might be kind of scary just because Nicole Kidman just being herself as an evil woman is kind of scary. But I still found it to be really fun, good movie. And the only reason – I mean, I'm not saying it was the greatest movie ever, but, again, it was just a surprise when I thought it would be crap. <laughs> and another one, our very first video review, not video, movie review, Beyond the Mask. Uh, I didn't think that that one would be that great, and it was better than I thought. Yeah, that was definitely way better than anticipated. And then a documentary I saw this year called The Overnighters about um, the movie more, more or less focuses on a Lutheran pastor who helps guys out who come up to work and the Bakken oil fields up in North Dakota. So it takes place in Williston, North Dakota. Ah, cool. And it, the, the, the nickname, the guys who come up the over or the church nicknames, the guys who stay at this guy's church, the overnighters. Um, but it's really about him just trying to help these guys and kind of telling their story of these guys who have nothing and go here thinking, this is where I'm going to become somebody. I'm going to get money. It's basically the 1849 gold rush in North Dakota right now where everybody's going there thinking they're going to just make buck. And there's a lot of guys just finding, um, struggles. And so it's a really interesting documentary. It's called the overnighters, but I would check that out if you like documentaries. So, and it's on Netflix. Ah, there you go. FYI. You don't have to travel to your local video store. So you don't video store or video box. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and so, uh, yeah, if you have a Netflix subscription, you don't even have to, yeah, leave your living room. So uh, a couple I found fun but lacking were Avengers Age of Ultron and Jurassic World, where they were really fun. And uh, I liked them, but they weren't quite to the level you hoped, (laughs) I guess is maybe the way to put them. Um, honestly, I thought Age of Ultron would be in my top five. Like, hands down, I thought, no, I'll be in yeah. my top three of the year. And there were these other movies that just ended up outshining it. Um, again, I don't think it's bad. I just think uh, it just wasn't quite what it could have been. Yeah, one that you could definitely say um, was good, but it was lacking something, would be uh, the latest Fast and the Furious movie. Yes, and a lot of people like it basically just because of the tributes of Paul. Yeah, it 
it has probably one of the the greatest send offs of any movie you could have for somebody who's unfortunately not with us anymore. But overall, there's just the story just doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> what Fast and Furious? Jason Statham's character is pretty cool, but at the same time, it's Jason it's, Statham. But at the same time, it's like, really, are you guys just gonna? There's a scene where him and Vin Diesel just decide to throw down in a parking lot, and it's like, <laughs> really, is this is this how we're wrapping up this movie? And then uh, the Rock with his minigun, and it's just like, what is going on here? Miniguns can work, and miniguns can fail. It's 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 almost like the whole <laughs> Paul Walker wrap up just pretty much elevated this movie way way above where it should have probably been. Sure. Yeah. And I know some people are going to be like, "You jerk! <laughs> Let's hang him." Yeah. But that's how I feel. Did you have any surprises that you didn't hold much toward, and then they ended up being better than you thought? It's up top of your head. Uh, well, uh, obviously there was a bridge of spies. Um, sure. Star Wars being just blowing my mind away. Sure. Yeah, those weren't in your top five. That's true. But yeah. All in all, I mean, it was a pretty decent year at the movies. Could have been better, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were just some you hope for more of. But hey, it's kind of how it goes. So we'll go over our. Uh, each of our fives real quick just run down the titles for you dakota what are yours again my top five are sicario straight out of compton (laughs) mad max fury road inside out and the martian the martian all right and mine are my top five are mission impossible rogue nation bridge of spies sean the sheep the movie Inside Out, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, yeah, those are each of our top fives. Um, movies we, like, again, these aren't necessarily Oscar contenders or going to be on the major critics list. Some of these might be, but not all of them. But uh, just movies we really had appreciation for, thought were just some of the ones that stuck with us now that we're in a new year of new movies. And so... That's probably what we're going to be talking about next on the next episode is what we're looking forward to. But um, but this show, we're going to put a check mark next saying we are done and done with this one of giving our favorite movies of the year. Remember to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us, whether it be on YouTube or iTunes or whatever way you'd like to subscribe to us. Um, we hope you're doing that. We hope you're spreading the word if you're enjoying it. Um We've been really, uh, it's been really cool just to see, um, that there are people out there listening (laughs) that, uh, we are noticing that our episodes are being downloaded, listened to, and that's just really cool to see. And it means a lot that you're listening to us and that we can keep this going. That's right. Don't be afraid to give us any feedback. Yeah. Even if it is strongly negative, we (laughs) will appreciate it. We like, I thrive off negative feet. No, but yeah, you're, we you're, don't. You're only going to make us better. Feedback is feedback. I'll take it anyway and get it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but with that, I think we'll wrap up the show here. So I'm Steven. And I'm Dakota. Have a good new year.